Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to a little bonus episode of uh, Shot Reverse Shot, uh, where we're going to talk about something quite topical, which is exciting, although I'll probably spend ages editing it, and it will be not topical by the time it comes out. Uh, I'm Joe Gastineau, and joining me as always is Ed Davis. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you this fine evening? I am tickety-boo, I have to say. Um, We are going to be talking, uh, listeners at home, uh, we're going to be talking about the recent uh, Kickstarter campaign, uh, and in specifically how it relates to the long... Was it cancelled, Ed? Or did it just end? The Veronica Mars TV show? Uh, No, it was very much cancelled. Very much cancelled. I don't know what I'm talking about because I haven't seen it. I I imagine you have, Ed, because you are uh, learned in such things. Uh, yes, I have. Um, the uh, Veronica Mars was a, a TV show, obviously, that aired for three years on uh, the CW, which was the show that um, that the, the network that originally um, broadcast Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, and uh, or, or at least uh, broadcast Buffy the Vampire Slayer sort of towards the end of its life because it swapped networks at one point. Um, that's not being there. Um, but it was uh, it was in some ways kind of the natural success to that show because it was a female-driven uh, genre show. Uh, in which uh, Kristen Bell played Veronica Mars, who was a, a high school student uh, living in a, this very wealthy kind of suburb in California. Um, the first uh, season, she's like, she's someone who's kind of fallen from grace. Her dad used to be the sheriff of the town, and he's uh, he was fired over a scandal and uh, has uh, become a private detective. And as as such, she's kind of no longer part of the in crowd and starts kind of becomes suddenly uh, sort of aware of sort of the social injustices because this uh, area of California has a disparity of wealth that is quite uh, colossal. Uh, there's like incredibly rich students and incredibly poor students and she sees that the, the rich people essentially get away with uh, quite, quite literally murder mm. and um, she decides to set about kind of righting the wrongs in those ways and it was a very interesting show, it was a very funny show um, Kristen Bell was uh, great uh, as the central um, in the central role and it had this like this really interesting mix of sort of high school soap uh, in the best possible sense and um, sort of film noir which was a very big um, part of the sort of the aesthetic and the, the thematic elements to it uh, and it was a really really strong show also because it had um, sort of season long mysteries that added a structure to it, the first one uh, she was investigating the murder of her best friend, uh, played by a very young uh, Amanda Seyfried, mm-hmm. uh, before she became really famous with Mean Girls, or just around about the same sort of time. And so the whole of the first season, she that's kind of playing out in the background as she's doing the sort of the mystery of the week sort of thing. And the second one was investigating a sort of bus crash which killed sort of uh, a large number of students, and that one. Uh, overreached a little bit it was uh, in its final sort of movement got quite operatic which I think turned a lot of people off but I I quite admired for being this kind of like really crazy and audacious sort of thing Mm -hmm. Um, and then its third and final season um, kind of suffered because she went off to college they tried putting in sort of smaller arcs to try and lure new viewers in which was there were lots of like network notes that kind of uh, hurt the show and eventually led to it uh, losing viewers and getting cancelled mm. uh, which and was a shame 
yeah, a great shame to its many fans. It's got a very kind of like a small but dedicated fan base. Um, but the reason we're talking about it is that the crowdsourcing platform Kickstarter, um, which for those of you who don't know, is a website where people say, I want to do this, it's going to cost this much, give us the money in little bits and you'll get this in return. That's pretty much what it is, isn't it? Yeah, basically, like uh, Rob Thomas, who was the creator of the show, um, went has been has spent the best part of five years uh, trying to get a, a film off the ground. Warner Brothers, who own the rights to the characters, said that um, there wasn't any fan interest in it, or there wasn't enough of an interest in it, and um, kept kind of kicking back against him, even though he had sort of a script and everything, uh, and you know the cast had all committed to it. Mm. It just never kind of came together, and uh, basically the the Kickstarter thing was partly a way of raising the funds in order to make it like as a last shot kind of thing. Because I think they the sense that they've given it out is that if they hadn't been able to reach the sort of the money the 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 target they had set themselves, then they were just going to give up and accept that you know time had moved on and that no one was going to uh, the film was never going to happen but also was kind of a way of showing to Warner Brothers that there was interest in it because yeah. uh, it, it's kind of a proof of concept sort of thing to basically say, you know, people can donate money and they'll, uh, and as a result, we'll be able to put the film out there and there will be an audience there. Mm. So four days ago, um, so the middle of last week, um, Rob Thomas launched the Veronica Mars movie project Kickstarter page um, and he asked for backers to donate bits of money for various rewards which ranged from you know just a t-shirt to the a speaking part in the film I think was the top reward but he was asking for two million dollars which is not an insignificant sum I mean I think it's not the biggest project that's been backed on Kickstarter but I think it's probably the biggest film project is that right Ed? yeah the biggest one ever is 10 million i believe was the right um, wow but the, so yeah usually when it's films it's like it's in the low hundred thousands it's usually as high as it gets yeah i mean films that are, that are funded by kickstarter or indiegogo or other crowdsourcing platforms are the kind of there's a lot of um festival films on the circuit but they're either part funded by the, those platforms or they are very low budget like you say a couple hundred grand maximum but these guys were asking for two million and um within four hours they'd reached a million and within 11 hours they'd hit their target of two million so before the first day was out they had reached the goal that they had set themselves 30 days to achieve and currently there is still 26 days to go let's say we're only four days into it and they they currently stand at 3.6 million i think me and you were both on twitter at the time when it was going up in kind of rapid uh, succession they were, i think it was going up at a hundred dollars a second at one point yeah i think um the, the the kind of the craziness of it was you put on facebook um, the Veronica Mars Kickstarter project has been started. It has gone up forty thousand dollars in the amount of in the time it took me to read it and yep. post this on Facebook. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, and it was it was something that attracted a lot of attention, especially from people who uh, were fans of Veronica Mars, obviously because this was a big deal to them, but also people who um, hadn't seen it or didn't know anything about it because this appears on the surface um, to be somewhat revolutionary. Uh, why would that be it? Because it's essentially uh, a, a, a option for 
fans to kind of bring back things that they've always wanted to, but which for whatever reason have um, completely fallen through. So on that level, you know, the idea that people could get, you know, you know, the thing that people are saying is like a Firefly, you know, revival, which is is not going to happen for a variety of reasons, chief of which being that that show was really quite was fairly expensive to make and also everyone in the cast now has other jobs and it'd be really it'd be really difficult to get everyone back together in much the same way as it was impossible to get the entirety of the cast of Arrested Development back together for the revival TV series mm-hmm. um, in quite the same way that uh, you know people would probably hope um, but also just the idea that there is a platform for people to uh kind of create something uh, of, a, of a sort of a substantial-ish budget. You know, two million obviously is is not nothing. But in, mm. term, in terms of filmmaking, it's a fairly low amount. Uh, and, yeah. and Rob Thomas says that two million is like the bare minimum of what they could do, you know, to do sort of the Dogville version of Veronica Mars, um, as I like to think of it. Um, mm. You know, what, what they probably would ideally like is something in the sort of five to six million range, which I think is where it probably will end up. Uh, at the end of the month yeah I think uh, what's been what's raised eyebrows about it is the fact that Warner Brothers still own the property mm-hmm. of Veronica Mars and like you said they were not interested in making a film they didn't want to invest any amount of money because I imagine that Rob Thomas probably went to them first and said look it's only going to cost two million what's the worst that could happen and mm-hmm. they said no so what what's happened is Warner Brothers have turned it down but have said you know, go for your life. He's gone back to his fan base. They have funded it, and you know, funded it to you know a hundred percent more than what he's asking for in the first place. But Warner Brothers have had no risk there, and they're going to get the film, and they're going to still see the profits. One would imagine. I think it's a little slightly more complicated than that, in that they're only handling the distribution costs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what their stake of the profits actually will be. I imagine they'll see some of it. But at the same time, it seems like such a, in some regards, such a low reward um, prospect in the first place. Like, if it was something that was going to make like a hundred million dollars, if it was going to make sort of twenty times its budget, or, or um, yeah, like if it was going to make like a huge amount, I could see it being like something where everyone was going to become fabulously wealthy off of it. But mm-hmm. I think what's most likely is that. It'll be this thing that probably doesn't even cover its budget, but gets made and, you know, fans, you know, the fans are, like, ecstatic about it. Uh, And maybe, or or the best case scenario, it makes a tiny profit, which then allows them to kind of, like, say, hey, can can we do a sequel and make this into a film series? Hmm. You know, if uh, if um, Rob Thomas and Kristen Bell want to do that and don't end it by having everyone die... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that this is a model that only works to uh, or for um, properties where there's a there's a kind of a rabid fan base that would get behind something like this? Um, it's not something that's um, you know if it's too niche, people there just won't be the backers there, will there? Is is Veronica Mars a kind of uh, the the level of which a show needs to be to be funded in this way? I think so, yeah. Or, or at the very least, maybe not necessarily just properties, but sort of a personality 
that has a rabid sort of fan base. For example, I think Joss Whedon has, he's pretty much nixed the idea of doing Firefly through that way. Because, mm-hmm. oh, also, because, you, know, you know, that's become its own entity in comics and stuff. So it doesn't, I don't think he feels it needs to continue in a, in TV or film. But um, if he, he's talked about, you know, using it as a platform to fund um, the second series of Dr. Horrible Singalong Blog, which is something he's wanted to do for years, but mm-hmm. which um, there's no sort of real money for. Like the first one was basically something that he more or less did off his own back um, as a thing to do during the writer's strike. Yeah. And um, I think he said that if, if it, he was to use Kickstarter for anything, it would be to get the money together for that because there's a pretty strong, there's a pretty big fan base for that show. Um, which was released free online on the internet, so I'm fairly sure people would be willing to kind of pony up a bit of money to see more of those of that character's adventures. But also, um, it's a show that uh, he he also is such this kind of beloved personality in the geek community mm-hmm. that even people who didn't watch Doctor Horrible Singalong Blog might be willing to say, you know, for all the hundreds of hours of entertainment that you've given us. Uh, we'll, you know, chip in ten dollars for you to make this thing that no one else is willing to fund. Although at this point, I think people might be just kind of thinking, "Haven't you? Aren't you like swimming Scrooge McDuck style in Avengers money?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I think uh, if he he probably can uh, can stand the hit mm. uh, a bit more than he could say two or three years ago when mm. I think he was talking about the Kickstarter thing more seriously. He was very quick to... I mean, obviously, he must know how um, fervent his Firefly fans are. I mean, any yeah. hint of a hint of a, uh, a kind of reboot is seized upon and talked about kind of ad nauseum. So I think he was very quick to get on uh, or, or give an interview to say that, you know, even if it feasibly did happen, even, I'm tied up for three years doing Marvel stuff, uh, even if it did happen, there's no way someone's going to pony up the dough to make a film of Firefly, because Serenity cost, what did you say, 40 million or 30 million? Uh, for, yeah, 40 million dollars it took to make. Yeah. And I know the geek market's pretty big, but that's a lot of money to, and you'd have to get some serious rewards going on for that. You'd have to, you know, be able to join the crew and have your own spin-off show for, uh, for that kind of... Uh, because uh, I mean, the, I'd imagine because the, really the way this works is that if you're saying, oh, I'll chuck ten bucks in to see, uh, to to kind of fund the Veronica Mars movie, what you're doing essentially is you're paying your ticket in yeah. advance. So you say that a good deal of the people who have already paid for it and will probably get a digital download as part of that, um, probably won't then go and see it at the cinema or might not go and see it at the cinema. So there's not a lot of Extra, if it's got a rabid fan base anyway, who would have been the people going to turn out to see it at the cinema? There's not an awful lot of box office returns on top of that. Yeah, I think the rollout they've got kind of envisioned for it would be that it would play in sort of limited release mm-hmm. and, and be a sort of a, a video on demand sort of thing. So the people who uh, have donated to it will. Um, obviously get their digital copy or their DVD or their Blu-ray, which, you know, depending on um, on the amount that you donated, that determines what format you get it on. Um, mm. I think everyone over $35 gets the digital copy, and then, depending on how much more above that, that determines on uh, uh, how much, uh, what subsequent formats you might get it on. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, the, the, the sort of casual fans who 
have been kind of like slowing this because Veronica Mars used to get three million viewers a week, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously like really only a tiny fraction of that have so have been tapped to actually donate. Because it's uh, I'm looking at the Kickstarter now and it's fifty four nearly fifty five thousand people have backed it, which is yeah. a lot, which is a lot, but it's um it's obviously a fairly small fraction. You know if uh, if everyone who watched Veronica Mars donated just ten dollars. Uh, it would be a thirty million dollar movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think that uh, if that kind of market, when the show, when the film becomes available for on-demand, thinks you know, you know, I'll pay five dollars for it. That's its most likely way of becoming profitable. It won't be a theatrical hit. Mm. Um, if only because uh, Kristen Bell's not really that much of a draw. Uh, she's a she's a really good actress who appears in really shitty things. Um, but you know she's not a, she's not really a draw in the same way that uh, um, say I'm just trying to think of someone from uh, like say Nathan Fillion probably has a slightly better chance of being a, a, a theatrical draw because he's been on Castle and has got you know he's got a higher sort of uh, profile as a result of that. Yeah. yeah. So it's not the sort of thing that the film would not really other than the media attention that's been generated by the Kickstarter. Which has mm-hmm. got the name out there a bit more and uh, has generated a lot of conversation in sort of social media, but I still think that that's still a relatively small um, focus. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, it's a bit of an echo chamber of social media where on Twitter, the Veronica Mars Kickstarter is the biggest news of the last week. Oh, absolutely. But I think in terms of sort of mainstream consciousness, it uh, hasn't probably made that big of a dent. No, no. I mean, the thing is, what became immediately obvious to me is that, just judging from the the kind of reactions from the people in my, on my Twitter feed, um, half the people were like, "Oh wow, this is kind of crazy." I haven't seen it, yeah. and half the people were like, "Oh, I'm a massive fan of this show. Can't wait for it." Because it's a difficult show to actually get hold of, isn't it? It's not available uh, on outside of America on DVD. I don't think. No, I mean, I watched it in the UK on, like, one of the digital channels that no one knows about. Right. It was, like, it was... I, 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 st- I can't remember. I think it was, like, Bravo or something. You know, one of those ones that, uh, in the sort of the bad old days before um, the channels kind of, like, when only, like, Channel 4 and the BBC could afford to import the, the good US shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were the, uh, the other channels would just kind of pick stuff up uh, sort of piecemeal and I remember kind of like coming across it and just thinking you know Veronica Mars you know and the title just kind of like drew me in because it was so distinct but kind of non-specific yeah at, at the same time and then you know I started watching it and you know was kind of really drawn into it mm. so but that was like by chance you know if I had not been looking at the sort of the TV schedule at that time I would not know what it was at all um, and then you know later on went w- wouldn't have kind of been driven to kind of purchase it on DVD because it's also even though it has like the fervent fan base I get the feeling it's not one of the ones that's considered kind of part of the great canon of uh, of American TV of the last decade. No. I mean it is really really good. It's a really good show, but I think it it always has the kind of the stigma of being a show that uh, is aimed at. It's not aimed just at a young teen audience, but it has because of the channel it was on, because of the sort of the, the genre. That's kind of the sense it has. It, it 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 and it didn't last long enough to become uh, to overcome that in the same way that like Buffy did. 
because Buffy kind of like worked away and became sort of a genre defining show over seven years whereas uh, Veronica Mars kind of did really well for two years and then kind of faltered in the third season yeah I've heard that um, the first two seasons are available to watch online for free at the Warner Brothers website I'm not sure how true that is have you heard this no I haven't heard that but that's really good if it is they're not available on any streaming service no of course which... the first thing they did I mean if anything this, this kind of publicity has probably pushed a lot of people to seek out those shows to watch in the first place you'd hope so I mean obviously that's all for the benefit as far as everyone involved in making the film is concerned because it obviously creates a bigger a bigger audience for sort of 2014 when the film comes out yeah absolutely um, a couple of issues that were raised from um, uh, interviews that Rob Thomas did kind of literally as soon as the the, the target was met obviously he was kind of getting a lot of uh, press attention he did joke in his Twitter feed that this was the only day the first day he'd had in many years on Twitter that he wasn't getting a single Matchbox 20 fan uh, <laughs> going on his feed um, but yeah um, but just the how the economics are going to work of it because obviously there's a lot of rewards promised mm-hmm. um, and I think they said that at the moment um, well at the point of funding there was 40,000 people who would be due a t-shirt and someone was coming up with estimates between $579,000 and $116,000 just to cover the cost of the Mm -hmm. t-shirts and also that Warner Brothers were actually going to pitch in and do that here's what Rob Thomas has kind of confirmed that they're going to be helping with the promotion the distribution and also some of those rewards and the logistics of how to deliver those rewards also the most interesting thing that came out of this interview that he did was that he was saying that Warner Brothers weren't at all treating Veronica Mars and this Kickstarter campaign as if it was a one-off. He said, quote, I think they are treating us like a guinea pig in the best way. They want to see if this model works. And they made the calculated decisions for a lot of reasons um, and that we would be a good test case for it. So uh, do you think that that is... Do you think that this is something that the studio has been thinking about for a while? Do you think it's something that, you know, it's completely low risk to them to do something like this, isn't it? Yeah, it's about as close to no risk as you can get in the <laughs> yeah. film industry because, you know, um, marketing and distribution are quite expensive because they, they, they famously can double the cost of a, a film's budget, you know, and when, you, when you're looking at films that cost upwards of $100 million, that's a pretty big financial outlay. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of films just don't earn back, um, yeah. t- particularly when you get into the the fuzzy realm of international distribution, where you have to sort of pay out to sort of local distributors, and you start to see less and less of the cash. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why that argument about how international receipts um, can make up for a flop at home don't quite hold water um, yeah. in the way that you would think based on the pure figures. Um, you know, like uh, John Carter's the the big example of that is like John Carter sort of earned its budget back worldwide but actually still probably cost about 200 million dollars um that's what uh, disney kind of wrote off for it mm. um i said so you know but putting out essentially you know a little bit of advertising saying you know this things are on on demand and then sort of ponying up you know maybe a couple of million dollars to cover the prices of you know sending out dvds and stuff to people is that is very low risk when you consider that the film's been funded independently essentially yeah um, and so that they'll probably be able to cover their costs based on uh you know sh- screening it on demand or even not even from screening it just from selling it to the on-demand channels 
you yeah. know that they'll you know it's such a low kind of risk thing for them that uh, they don't really care. It's not something that's gonna kind of be able to. Uh, I don't think it's something that's kind of an arm that's gonna like bolster their uh, other kind of like profit making arms or anything. But it's kind of a nice little ancillary thing, which at the very least could probably be help and uh, engender a positive relationship with both the creators who I think they they would want to work with again. Because mm-hmm. you you always want to have writers who can kind of you can kind of call on to work with on projects, but also um, with the fans, because if the fans have a positive experience thinking you know, about Warner Brothers, then they'll maybe buy sort of merch or be more willing to kind of like take a punt on sort of the films and stuff on their other projects. Mm. Um, there are an awful lot of other projects that obviously there's a lot like mentioned Firefly that fans will be all about kind of trying to get relaunched and all that kind of stuff that are unlikely to happen there's also quite a lot of uh, properties and shows TV shows in particular because uh, I mean obviously a film can come out and it can flop and then you know there's no need to carry on the story whereas a lot of TV shows are cancelled before they get to wrap up their kind of uh, arcs that, that were kind of ongoing or, or fulfilled the creators you know uh, desires when he started the show or, or everything they had planned for it now immediately on Twitter um, Sean Ryan who is the creator of Terriers is that right he was yeah. kind of uh, quoted as saying he's very interested to see how the Veronica Mars Kickstarter goes and could be a great way uh, to wrap up uh, his show in a, in a film I mean we've been, they've been talking for years about it's David Milch's desired way to wrap up Deadwood was with you know a film or, or a couple of short TV movies because there was still uh, distance left to run and the show famously got cancelled because it was too expensive. Um, what other shows are there that are out there that really could benefit from the Veronica Mars model being a success? Uh, I think um, Terriers is probably the most likely one because... Uh, the the kind of the two key considerations are fan base and like Terriers doesn't have a huge fan base but it has a very fervent one mm-hmm. uh, which has grown and grown because it's been a, a, a very popular hit on Netflix um, right where it's it's one of the a show that's kind of built a very big audience that way um, ironically enough it's actually not available on DVD um, mm. at all because it was only released for like it was only like a one season thing but the 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 big advantage it has there is it has a a creator in Sean Ryan who's um, got a fairly uh, he, he's had a, a very successful in some ways career you know he created The Shield he has like uh, executive produced a number of other shows and uh, is currently the executive producer on the Beverly Hill Cops TV series which I didn't know until this week um, and that there's a Beverly Hills Cop TV series yeah it's uh, going to be about Axel Foley's son but what? Uh, Eddie Murphy is going to appear in it briefly at some point, at one point or another. He's going to be the uh, the chief of police in Detroit. Hang, hang on, are, are you fucking with me? No, I'm this, not this fuck- happened. I'm not fucking with you. It's being filmed now. Oh man, I don't know if that's the best or worst news I've ever heard. Yeah, it's it's uh, kind of an eye raw situation, isn't it? Um, yeah, because I, I watched Beverly Hills Cop the other night, and that film's amazing. It's like I think that's a masterpiece of action comedy. Um, and I, what I, one thing I didn't think of whilst I was watching it was we really need a TV show where Axel Foley is the chief of police in Detroit and his son is on the loose in Beverly Hills. Yeah, um, that's not anyone's first choice, but uh, I think you know he's. Uh, I'm I'm quite excited by it because Sean Ryan's uh, he's got he's got prior form. 
on cop dramas and stuff, but he's also said that he wants to do it as a, a serious crime show with gags. But it, right. will, but it will be a, a kind of a, a procedural first rather than trying to be sort of wacky comedy, so it's not going to be Beverly Hills Cop 3, the TV series. Oh, uh, God, I hope not. Which I think we can all be thankful for. But hmm. uh, the, the the big advantage um, Terriers has uh, is it's got the fan base in place, and I'm pretty sure that there are 50,000 Terriers fans who'd be willing to kind of give uh, enough money to get uh, a film funded but also it was essentially a show with only maybe two or three characters like mm-hmm. there were there were two main characters played by Donald Logue and uh, Michael Raymond James I'm pretty sure that's his name I may have got those three names mixed up but I'm pretty sure yeah. it's Michael <laughs> Raymond James um, as two kind of like freelance detectives uh, in this kind of like poor part of uh, this sort of California town who, who basically did jobs not for money but for like services so they would like in the first episode they were getting someone's dog back in order to get free laundry and stuff like that so it was a very low rent sort of very funny show which gradually kind of grew out into being a, a sort of a bigger thing and it was a really really cool show but really all you would need to do in order to make a film version of it because also the the, the the end of the first and only season ended with the two characters being faced with a choice whether or not they would uh, go to one location or go on the lam essentially and go into Mexico and mm-hmm. um, I think pretty much everyone who's watched the show thinks that they would have gone to Mexico and that would have been where the second season would have picked up, would have been them kind of like running and then uh, and so essentially if you wanted to do a follow up film all you'd really need to do is get those two guys and Sean Ryan and go to uh, go to Mexico, and you could film it sort of very on the cheap. Mm. And you so, could do it with a, a non-union crew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's the sort of thing where um, the logistics of that one, you can see it as being reasonably easy to work out. Whereas any show that has like a huge ensemble um, might might struggle. Uh, although the exception to that would be um, Party Down, which was another Rob Thomas TV show. Um, which starred uh, there was basically uh, a ba- as close to a Kickstarter TV series in terms of scope and scale as you could get because mm-hmm. that was a show shot on digital at people's houses uh, with a cast of people who were kind of like fitting it around their other schedules. It starred um, uh, Adam Scott, uh, currently on uh, Parks and Rec, uh, Lizzie Kaplan, Jane Lynch, although she left when she got the job on Glee. Megan was Paul Rudd in it, or have I made that up? Paul Rudd was in one episode, yeah. He, oh, okay, yeah. He, yeah, they basically kind of... The, a lot of the guest stars were essentially people who were friends with them who could fit it in. Ah, um, oh, okay. So it was a show that was done very, very cheap, and you could imagine that one working as a movie because essentially the logistics behind making a film of it would be not that different to the logistics of how they actually made the TV show. Mm. It's frustrating about these shows that, like, in both those cases of Party Down and Terriers, I just remember hearing about them saying, oh, there's a really cool show come out called Terriers, and you like, you spend a bit of time and you try and seek it out, and it's always oh, cancelled. Yeah, especially um, that one, which uh, I think had it been... The problem was it had the most nondescript name, which, mm. kind, which kind of makes sense if you consider the series, because they're essentially two scrappy dogs that won't let go. Right. Okay. And that uh, over the course of the first season, as they kind of 
suddenly wind up in this kind of uh, conspiracy that they didn't know about. In fact, the way that I would describe it uh, to you to get you to watch it, and I think you would really like it, is it's basically Cutter's Way as a TV show. Oh, wow. Uh, both in terms of tone and sort of narratively, it's very, very similar. And it's on US Netflix, so um, if, if you can figure out a way of doing that... Um, I'm sure I probably can. Uh, then I would highly recommend it. It's a really, really good show. Um, but it was a show that really suffered from bad marketing, and, and the, the head of FX, who really liked the show but had to cancel it, is because he couldn't justify keeping it on the air to the, uh, to the shareholders... Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially just kind of like said yeah we fucked up we didn't advertise it um, in the best way and we really struggled to capture the tone of it mm. it's the sort of show that had it been done well it could have you know kept running or at the very least have been kept at sort of the, the sort of level that would have allowed it to um, sort of be sort of a moderate success mm-hmm. and uh, you know it, or if it had come a few years later they could have essentially subsidised it with all the money they'd been making off of that shitty uh Charlie Sheen sitcom um, Anger Management which they more or less admitted they don't like and they don't treat it with any respect but it rakes in the money I can imagine it does so that for them it's just kind of their way of just going yeah well it funds pretty much everything else we do it's their cars too essentially right okay Um, Um, so it's it's not going to suit then this model it's not going to suit like say um, bigger budget projects or projects with a bigger cast, I think the the idea that it could it could fund uh, Deadwood, uh, even just an hour long film is is kind of I mean it's a very, that's a very expensive show with a huge cast. Um, so what about something that's kind of somewhere in the middle, something like Community, which has got a very rabid fan base, which is I mean has it been officially cancelled yet, or is it just very very likely to be cancelled? It's it's weird. It's in the same sort of situation it's always in because what's essentially happened with the fourth season is that it's doing sort of about what it was. I mean, it opened... It, it, the first episode got fairly strong numbers because I think everyone was curious mm-hmm. to see how it would work about Dan Harbin. And then it's kind of lowered down a bit, but not kind of tanked. But everything else on NBC has. So right. essentially it's looking at... There's, there's, a, there's a sort of a, a realistic situation where it gets a fifth season renewal just because it's the sort of one of the few kind of like bright spots on the schedule but you know it's very it's very much either or you know it's not got the sort of uh financial advantage to it that something like parks and rec has because parks and rec is all in-house so they don't Mm. have to so they can keep that one chugging along for as long as they want really whereas community they have to sort of share the profits with sony yeah Um, but yeah, I think um, Dan Harmon said after, around about the third season when it was uncertain if it was going to be renewed for fourth season, and then it was, but he was fired, um, that he toyed with the idea of doing a Kickstarter to do kind of a wrap-up film with the cast mm-hmm. to kind of finish all the stuff he wanted to do with the show as, you know, in as quickly as possible um, I think the advantage there is, probably, is he probably could have kicked Chevy Chase out with no problems um, because I think Chevy Chase probably wouldn't have accepted working on a, a low budget film and Dan Harmon would have been happy not to work with him again um, yeah. so I think that it's, uh, it's, it's uh, that one seemed like it, it would have worked in kind of a weird alternate reality 
and maybe could again if if Dan Harmon decides, you know, after community finishes and everyone's contracts free, just to kind of go, hey, you know, let's film, let's do an hour showing what I would have done. Yeah, and I think that that someone like Dan Harmon, who is who is obviously kind of beloved by fans, um, and he's he's off kind of doing his own thing. He's got his Harmon Town podcast, which is kind of a you know a very well followed thing that he's kind of creating this kind of. Um, network of fans, and I, do you think that it's something that he's always got his eye on? That you know, now you you get into a position where um, he, as a creator, is popular. That you know, if he comes up with an idea that the studios aren't going to be interested in, he has the freedom to go direct to his fan base and say, "You would have paid ten dollars to see this at the movie theater. Pay me now, and then you'll you, you'll get a digital copy for, for nothing, essentially." I don't think he necessarily wants to do that. I don't think any of the creators would want that to be like their first resort. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, it's, it's why, why is that? Why do you think that? Just because I think that they would prefer to be in a situation where they're not just playing uh, 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 sort of preaching to the choir, where they could just kind of where they would have a platform to kind of get as many people in as possible. And mm-hmm. if you're essentially going to people if you give me ten dollars you'll get a digital copy of this thing that you can watch that you've essentially funded but also get uh they're they're limiting their audience to just that you know and maybe whoever they those people invite round to watch whereas mm-hmm. if, if you're working on something that has a reasonably big audience you know a, a network or even just a cable uh channel then obviously the the, the potential for reaching a new audience is great yeah uh, and i think that it also, you know, it just essentially gives you greater scope in terms of budget. Because even if you get a lot of people to kind of um, give you money, you're still not going to have the sort of distribution or marketing ability. Uh, you know, that's the thing that's unique about Veronica Mars is that the studio is willing to put it out there. Whereas if you've not got a studio behind you to help you distribute it, then it becomes a lot more complicated, and you'd essentially also be raising money to try and distribute the thing in the first place. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's it's kind of an extension of the the, the typical creator fan relationship, which is you want people to have a relationship with you so they'll follow you in everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this and, and essentially they'll 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 pay to see your stuff or read your stuff anyway because that's the way that it works. Yeah, but, but this is kind of taking it kind of a step further than that, saying you've liked the past stuff that I've done, pay to help me make more of that sort of thing yeah um, I've got a question for you because you've been very questioning of, of, of me this um, <laughs> go on do you think that the Veronica Mars thing is a corruption of the Kickstarter idea because there is a studio involved because I've definitely seen a lot of that sort of chatter from the from, from people who are who aren't fans of Veronica Mars not that that necessarily plays into it but I think it, it definitely means they haven't got an emotional investment in seeing it succeed mm-hmm. but but who also perhaps are viewing the whole idea of people essentially investing but not getting any sort of outlay uh, with some scepticism yeah I mean the quote that I saw which I thought was kind of uh... Uh, very witty was uh, I backed a major studio film and all I got was this lousy t-shirt which yeah. is a kind of succinct way of saying that you know ordinarily if you invested in a film project you would you know even if it was a small amount of money you would expect to see your 
original investment and then profit returned on top and some people I mean in one one case of this Veronica Mars uh, I think someone's invested ten thousand mm. dollars uh, to buy himself a a part a speaking part um, and you know he's not going to see any return other than the fact that he's got a speaking part um, now I'm not sure whether it corrupts the original ideal of Kickstarter but it certainly kind of almost makes a kind of second tier of of things that are available to do on Kickstarter, things that have got a head start. Now, the reason I say that is because there's an awful lot of creators who who kind of go to Kickstarter, um, and that's their only option. Their yeah. only option is to is to crowdsource. And whereas some people might argue that the Veronica Mars thing is great for the kind of ecology of Kickstarter you know with a, a big project bringing attention to Kickstarter a lot of people who have um, backed this project might never have backed a project on Kickstarter before and it will kind of have that you know, I don't want to sound like Ronald Reagan but it might trickle down <laughs> and people will be might inclined to back other projects on the same token um, it might not and it might kind of uh, eclipse uh, the people at the, at the other end of the scale Um but I'm, I'm not sure how kind of fair an argument that is. Yeah, because I think also it's it's that problem um, you get where you're essentially coming at it from two different perspectives. Because all the, I because I, the people who aren't fans of Veronica Mars and who aren't kind of emotionally invested could mm-hmm. see it. And I don't think I'm not saying that they're wrong to see it this way as exploiting the fans in order to get the film made. But mm-hmm. at the same time. It's not. I think it would be more exploitative if people didn't know that they weren't going to see an investment. Like if people right. put the money in and then there was some sort of vague promise that you might see some money at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, people are putting the money in and they are they are not. The, the relationship is not between investors and uh, creators. It's sort of uh, patrons or. Uh, or charitable donations in a sense really isn't it that's kind of yeah that's a closer approximation to the ref because because no one's going in thinking this is my ticket to become to breaking into the film biz yeah i think i think that the the, the rob thomas has said that he kind of is upset that they're being viewed as a charity and that um that the people aren't getting something in return like you know you'd go to a uh, a charity dinner and play a hundred dollars for a plate and get you know, ten dollars worth of food in return because you're making a charitable donation. Mm. Uh, he's actually he's actually come out and said he's he kind of takes some bridge with that um, that view, and that they should just see it as a kind of a kind of a strange, uh, slightly more uh, what I'm trying to say a slightly odder relationship that you'd have if you just went into a store and bought it. You'd feel more invested in it emotionally. Yeah, I mean, it is it is sort of unprecedented in that regard, isn't it? Because it's not a straight investment but at the same time the amount that you're donating on sort of the lower tier you know not getting into the speaking parts or being an extra or or whatever it's Mm. um people because someone did break this down saying that people are getting the same or more back for their donation like 35 dollars for getting the digital copy of the film and the t-shirt and all the other stuff is that is is it's, it's sort of roughly the equivalent or maybe slightly more when you get sort of like fifty dollars and you actually get the DVD and everything. You're mm-hmm. actually getting more from it than you're putting in. Yeah. So it is kind of a financial, uh, but but because it's part of a creative process and it's part of a, pr- a film production, there's that sense of you know 
aren't I technically invested? Don't an investor? Don't I have a financial stake in this? Which you don't. Mm. Even though the the sort of the precedent for that relationship is the only precedent for that relationship is sort of people investing in something. Yeah, do you, I think it's really interesting that the guy who did claim the top reward, of which there was only one, the ten thousand dollars to get a speaking role, um, wasn't even a fan of. Veronica Mars, especially, he was a he was a guy called Stephen Dengler, who basically is an entrepreneur, mm. and he just loves Kickstarter projects, and he just looks to invest in things in a kind of uh, philanthropic way. Oh wow, I didn't know that. That's uh, yeah, that's interesting. He's funded over sixty. He says he's a sm- uh, a fan with a small F from the interview I've got here, and right. um, he's just he's just a fan of Kickstarter projects and has funded over sixty. Wow, that's yeah. Really Have you ever funded a Kickstarter project, Ed? I haven't. No, I I was tempted by the Veronica Mars one, but um, mm-hmm. it someone uh, Key Phipps, the former editor of the AV Club, um, raised a point on Twitter, which I thought was was quite valid, which was that he asked, you know, if I donate to it, does that mean that I have to recuse myself from reviewing it? Right. Okay. Um, and so that's, that is an interesting question. Which I, I read and I kind of thought, yeah, you probably do. Mm. Because, I mean, it I don't think it's that much more... Uh, I don't think that makes him more invested in it than he already was as a fan. Because if he's willing to make the investment, I think that's enough of, a, of an emotional involvement anyway. But I think, and, and I don't think that that would necessarily colour his review of the final product... Right. But but I think it's from an objective point of view, people can look at it and say, well, how can I trust your opinion on it if you've already paid to see it in advance and to help it get made in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Um, I invested in the um, documentary by uh, Charlie Lyon, the guy who does Ultra Culture. Oh, um, I, I, was, the... I was interested in that one. Yeah, it was a, the film. It's a documentary about team movie called uh, Beyond Clueless, which I think it gives you an idea of the kind of the other end of the the film scale. I mean, that's a feature length documentary, but he was asking for nine thousand pounds, and he made it on the last day. It went down to like the last four or five hours of the of the um, of the whole campaign, and I think he got a couple of grand over in the end. But I I invested. Uh, I, I pledged. It's not really an investment, is it? I pledged five pounds and my reward was I get a production blog and I get a digital copy of the film now I would have paid five pounds to see that film and that that's cheaper than I'd ever get to see it in a cinema so I actually you know I think that that's really good I wonder whether because of the scale of the projects being backed the, there'll be a kind of weird discrepancy between the value of the rewards like you say that the value of the rewards for the Veronica Mars thing made sense up to the $50 level but below that it kind of didn't and I wonder whether people will be able to get away with kind of asking for kind of uh, rewards that don't seem to offer as much value back yeah I guess it, it all depends on again it, it's that whole sort of weird thing with a studio involved a studio can foot the bill for Mm. Uh, larger for larger prizes like that. I think people, if you're looking at something that does only have nine thousand as its its proposed budget, or um, you know, sort of in the the low thousands or even sort of low hundred thousands, people are willing to kind of cut them some slack in that regard. Yeah. Because you think if they're scrambling to get the money together to make a film on an incredibly low budget in the first place, then there's no uh, then I think it's unreasonable for people to expect them to 
uh, be being able to provide like fabulous prizes as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've we've talked um, mostly about these the kind of TV shows because they're the most likely to benefit from uh, a kind of extension of a, a run that was cut short. Do you think that there is a as there is potential for films to benefit more specifically? Um, getting films released that studios are holding on to I mean one of the one of the films that I've been desperate to see on DVD is a, a John Sayles film called City of Hope which is still only available on VHS in regular 4x3 and you know there's kind of versions of it going around the internet and stuff but it's not never been released on any DVD it's not streamed or anything I wonder whether there's fan bases that could uh start to work with studios if studios are willing to engage with this kind of thing to do things like get a DVD release or get it streamed on something or uh, get we, we talked before we started recording about getting director's cuts released that can't it, that can't be an expensive thing to do uh, for a small right for a, a kind of limited run as it were yeah or if you just kind of get the the negative struck so that they can work from it and then mm. Um, you can just follow sort of what the Warner Archive have been doing for years where they're essentially a sort of a mail order service where they have their selection of titles and they will make a DVD for you if you specify what film it is um, you know they put out lots of sort of cult films which never saw the light of day before um, through that method and I think that you know that Kickstarter seems like the a way for sort of if there's enough of a, a, a groundswell of people who say you know give me a way to see this thing you know uh, it doesn't have to be the highest quality we just want the chance to watch it you know mm-hmm. I don't see why uh, unless there's like terrifying sort of like legal complications surrounding it you know yeah. it, it seems weird that studios wouldn't you know go for that if essentially people are saying you know we've raised this money or, or if people come to them and say, you know, if we raise this money, will you make it possible for people to, to see, you know, City of Hope or or any film that, you know, has never seen the distribution, which perhaps the studio think doesn't have enough of a, a reputation to kind of get a second life on DVD. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that sort of thing has happened in the past. For example, uh, in the sort of the early days of DVD, I remember there was a very big uh, fan campaign to get the TV show My So-Called Life released on DVD, um, starring a young Claire Danes, which was this kind of big uh, cult thing in the 90s, which had never seen a release. Um, mm. but, but the people started a petition and, and managed to get a limited run of several hundred thousand uh, box sets made. Uh, and then uh, eventually that kind of spurred it on to be more widely available now it's available like through streaming and everything but you can also buy the DVDs um, and I think that there are there are precedents for that sort of thing to work but always the problem is um, studios will only really react if there's sort of like this really big sort of fan outcry uh, mm. as there was in the case of My So-Called Life um, and if there isn't that, and it's just kind of a few scattered voices here and there, then they'll just kind of ignore it because there's no kind of gain for them if they invest the money. Um, whereas if people kind of come to them with the money and just say, "We want to be able, we want this thing to be released. Please, you know, uh, sort it out for us." Uh, I can see that situation being uh, helping a lot of great films kind of finally see the light of day in a sort of a broader sense. Yeah, I think that's 
if there is a corruption of the Kickstarter ideal, um, it might be that Kickstarter kind of becomes almost not only a funding platform but a, peti- a petition platform yeah. for you know fans to say we want this, and between us we've raised. Uh, you know, four million dollars to to get it, and I mean the the main the biggest one that you think of that we kind of talked about before was having the original Star Wars films released on DVD. I mean, there's obviously the interest there, and uh, the fans are definitely there. But no matter how much money they get between them, I, you know, George Lucas and or sorry Disney now won't won't do it, or you know, there's no need for them to do it because um, money won't override what the creator wants to do in that sense yeah absolutely yeah there's a certain point at which um human stubbornness has to kind of come into the case and you know maybe it'll just be that you know people want to try and get something released and then the studio heads are just kind of like yeah we don't want to be associated with this kickstarter thing or we don't want Mm. to have we don't uh, value this property that you're interested in seeing get released out into the wider world yeah yeah. But, but, yeah, but the, the idea of being a petition thing definitely kind of plays into the Veronica Mars situation in yeah. a big way. So there's reasons to be kind of cautiously optimistic about this, uh, but it's we must state it's very we're, we're only four days after this has happened, um, and obviously there's already you know some of the uh, more cynical um, internet movie news websites. Um, have kind of launched into it. This is this is a game changer. This is you know the the start of a new beginning. We can have anything we want as fans. Check out more after the jump. There's a clue to who wrote that. Um, but um, but yeah, it's. It, I think there are reasons to be cautiously optimistic in certain cases in here. Yeah, I think the same. It's, it has the kind of the same uh, hurdle for me that um, something like the Netflix and the whole House of Cards thing has, which is that it's fine for everyone to kind of like say oh my god you know they've released this show uh you know all in one go and people can watch it at their own pace but it's still like a, a, something that costs a shitload of money and has kind of this big backers behind it and everything like that and in the case of Veronica Mars it's much smaller but and so people perhaps are a bit more kind of hopeful and they think you know hey you know you only need to get 50,000 people to kind of chuck in the money but at the same time you need to have something that is it, the the, bet, the most likely way of it happening is either the thing itself needs to have kind of like years of pent-up fan demand and be a sort of a known property mm. or you know, and have kind of like the original people involved for it to yeah. happen and you know the the, the kind of the, the chances of that happening and also you know not be kind of like trapped in like all of these like legal wranglings that could completely derail it and mm. th- that, in some ways, is probably the, the harder thing to kind of cut through than just raising the money. Is being able to find a property where everyone is perfectly happy for a new instalment to be made, but they just don't think that there's any profit in it, so they don't kind of go forward. Yeah, totally. Well, it's nice to end on a, a note of cautious optimism. Uh, we rarely do that. It's normally a kind of uh, uh, kind of. Uh, thinly veiled cynicism that we tend to regard uh, most things with um, but yeah that's that. I think that's a good place to wrap up our Kickstarter special yeah I think it is as well um, if you've enjoyed the show please uh, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review it helps uh, 
get more people get people's attention you know helps uh, uh get senders up the charts i guess maybe um i'm not really sure how itunes work i want to break that top 100 if it's the last thing we do it, it may very well be i think it will be <laughs> in some sort of post-apocalypse situation where the where the last podcast standing mm-hmm. um so you can do that um or uh, if you want to converse with us more directly, uh, you can do so uh, via Twitter. Uh, I'm at EJR Davies, uh, and I also write for a mighty fine blog. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you can find me at at the wooden kimono, or you can uh, find the blog that I never update, which is also uh, called the wooden kimono. You'll find it. Um, Google takes you there pretty much straight away. Uh, that's the first hit. Second one is Tom Waits lyrics. There you go. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll be back. I think we've got uh, probably another episode coming soon. Who knows what on it? Depends what happens in the news. Um, we'll probably be talking about the uh, Carnival Kickstarter project that launches <laughs> next week and ask for a hundred million dollars to make six seasons of uh, that show. Um, but in the meantime, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. <laughs>